0: Learn all about investing in real estate in Billings, Montana, with a combination of real estate financial planning and modeling with numbers specific to Billings, plus syndicated, more generalized recordings of live and pre-recorded real estate investing classes. Not all of them specific to Billings. Be sure to stay tuned after the podcast for a message from our sponsors. Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. This is James Orr, and this is a really short mini class today. So normally, when we think about saving for down payments, we think about the more I save, the better off I can improve my cash flow. If I put more down, I could have a lower monthly payment. And if my income is the same with with a lower monthly payment, then my cash flow would improve. But sometimes taking money that you would have otherwise set aside for down payments can be used in an alternative way such that it is more effective. It'll actually make a bigger impact in improving your cash flow, improving the overall returns you're getting on your investment. And so that is what this, as I mentioned, very short class is about today. We call it alternate uses for down payments. And it really consists of this one slide. So it's really short. So let's go over some different things about what you could do with down payments other than just put more down to improve cash flow. And I will mention one. Why don't I just jump right down down to the bottom one first? And that is, yes, you could take the money that I'm going to talk about using to do other things with and put more down. And sometimes, as we discussed in a previous class where I talked about the returns you get from putting more down, sometimes putting more down gets you more than just borrowing less, right? Because the idea is if you put more down payments into a deal, you end up borrowing less, and the less that you borrow, the lower your monthly payment is on that property. And by doing that, you tend to improve cash flow. But putting more down can also have other impacts on your loan. For example, going from 20% down to 25% down when you're buying an investor property has a very significant improvement to the interest rate that you'll get from the lender. The interest rate you might get from the lender for putting 20% down might be, I don't know, 6.5%, where if you had go ahead and put the extra 5% down and go from 20% to 25%, the interest rate may be 6%. So it might improve significantly by putting that extra 5% down. And in other cases, if you're thinking, hey, look, I was going to put 15% down. And if I put down 20%, I will improve my interest rate, which also happens going from 15% down to 20% also improves your interest rate. But the other thing that happens when you put more down is you don't have PMI anymore. You no longer have that private mortgage insurance. Remember, private mortgage insurance is the insurance that the lender charges, that the lender insists you get from a third party to protect them in case you default. Basically, what they're saying is, hey, look, I really want you to put 20% down. However, you want to put 15% down to buy this investment property. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I will allow you to put 15% down, and I'll charge you a slightly higher interest rate for doing so. But in addition to that, because I don't feel protected enough with you putting just 15% down in case you know the world comes to an end and I have to foreclose on you because you decide not to make payments anymore and property values have declined, I want to be protected in that situation. So in order to protect myself, what I want you to do is I want you to pay this third party. This third party insurance company, you're going to pay them a premium and the premium is going to be there such that if you actually force me to foreclose on you because you stop making payments or you do something else that forces me to foreclose on you, and I'm unable to sell the property, get all my money out, then they will actually come in and they will make me whole. So it's an insurance product that you pay for as the buyer for putting less than 20% down to protect the lender in case you default. So the lender says, hey, look, you want to put 15% down? No problem. I'll charge you a slightly higher interest rate and I will require that you pay for PMI and the PMI protects me in case you default. And so you end up paying PMI and also a higher interest rate if you put 15% down. Or you could put 20% down and then you have a slightly better interest rate and you no longer have to pay this PMI, which could significantly improve cash flow. Okay, so that is like, the traditional kind of like fringe cases, the kind of like critical points if you decide to put more down for using down payment. Now let's look at some other things you might want to do with your down payment instead of putting more down. So right off the top, more reserves. You could take money and you could put it into an investment property. And the challenge with putting all of your money into an investment property as down payment is, it's illiquid. Once you put money into a property, it is much more difficult for you to get at that money. And in fact, if you think about it, it's most lenders, and this may change over time. So, you know, go check with your lender as to what's current at the time. But as of the time I'm recording this, you know, March 21st, 2023, it is most lenders are requiring that you have 25% of equity. In other words, another way of saying that is 75% loan to value is the highest they will go to, to allow you to access money and equity. So if you want to access equity in your property, the highest they will allow you to go to is 75% loan value. So you have to have at least 25% of equity remain in the property. And then anything above that 25% of equity, they will allow you to tap into and do a cash out refinance if you want to access that. The only other way to really get at that is to sell the property. You can do some type of loan against the property, some type of cash-out refinance, whether that's a a traditional cash-out refinance of the whole loan, or maybe you do a home equity line of credit and you go up to a certain dollar amount on that, and maybe they go a little bit higher than 75%, or maybe your your particular lender will only allow you to go to 75%, or you could sell the property get get that equity. So if you decide to not put more money in to begin with and you keep that money set aside somewhere else in reserves, that can change the overall characteristics of you it can make you a much safer investor because you have all this liquidity, reserves, in case something happens to the property and you need that money. If you had it, put it into a down payment, it's harder to access. So by keeping it on the sideline, you have more in reserves, you're more liquid, you're more conservative, it's less risky overall. Okay, so you could do more reserves. And some lenders like seeing you have more reserves. I don't know if I've ever seen this, but I could imagine a lender actually giving you a slight break on the interest rate by having a very large amount of reserves. I don't recall ever seeing that, but it's possible a lender could do that, especially in the future, especially if they start valuing reserves more in the future. Okay. The other thing you could do with your down payment money, instead of putting more down, is you could pay off other debt. You know, imagine you have a certain debt-to-income ratio, and the lender actually does change the interest rate based on your debt-to-income ratio for certain loans. Uh, FHA, I don't think they do that with, but I think conventional they do. So, and I'm not a lender. I should tell you that right up front. Go check with your lender. Make sure what I'm telling you is 100% true for your situation and whatever is current at the time. But I believe lenders actually do change your interest rate based on your debt-to-income ratio. If you have a really high debt-to-income ratio, if you're going over what their standard is, they may still be willing to make the loan, but there's some type of premium. There's some type of risk premium on the interest rate to do that. So you could say, hey, look, I was thinking about putting 30% down to buy this property. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to back it down to 25% or maybe even 20% down, and I'm going to take some of that money, and with the help of my lender, to find out which ones I should pay off and which ones I should not pay off because Paying off certain ones can impact your credit score in an adverse way. You pay off the wrong thing. You close an account that was giving you a boost to your credit score by giving you a longevity rating. One of the things that is a factor in your credit score is how long you've had certain loans or credit lines open. And if you go and you pay off one and you close it down, that could lower your credit score instead of actually improve it. But the lender may say, hey, look, if you go pay off these you know, three bills that you've got outstanding, that would significantly improve your credit situation, your debt to income in this case, and maybe even your credit score, depending on what it is and how it's all working out. It's not super straightforward, so I can't give you specific advice about it. You'll need to talk with your lender in detail before doing this. But if you tell them, if you go and they say, you pay off these three things, that will improve your DTI and I'll be able to get you a better interest rate in your loan. That may be a better use of that money than putting more down. How intuitive. But this is why you need to think about these things and you need to talk to your lender about it. The other thing that may be counterintuitive, instead of putting more down, hey, I was going to put 30% down, but now I'm going to actually only put 25% down. I'm going to take that extra 5%. Maybe it's even not even that much, but I'm going to take that extra money and I'm going to use it to buy down my interest rate. By buying down my interest rate, it may improve my credit, my, my uh, interest rate. By buying down my interest rate, it may improve my monthly payments so much more than putting the extra 5% down. And we did this math recently, trying to remember what class it was, but we did a class where I showed you, oh, I think it was how to improve cash flow. One of the strategies was taking money uh, from seller concessions and using it to buy down interest rate. And I had the the matrix up of what my lender sent over about how much it costs to buy down the interest rate so much and what that does to the monthly payment. And I think we did the math and I showed you, hey, look, if you just put this much more down, it would have improved your your, uh, monthly payment by this amount. If you actually use it to buy down the interest rate, it improves it by this amount. And so it may be better for you to price out buying down interest rate on your mortgage instead of actually taking that money and putting it extra as down payment. Now, if you're only going to hold the property for a very short period of time, does it make sense to go buy down your interest rate for 30 years? Probably not. If you know you're going to be in and out of the property in five years, six years, 10 years, whatever it is, then buying down the interest rate for a 30-year period may not make sense. But if this is one of the properties that you plan on holding in your portfolio forever, it's going to be one of the ones that you've designated that is going to be the source of your positive cash flow in your financial independence retire early sort of model, then maybe you do pay down the interest rate because you know you're going to hold that loan for 30 years. But this is why you need to understand what your plan is. If you're buying properties, you're going to use the strategy where you buy 10 rentals, hold on to them for a period of time, then sell off a portion of them to pay off the remaining maybe you don't actually buy down your interest rate because you're either going to sell some of them and you're going to take that money and then pay off your other mortgages. So if that's your strategy, maybe buying down interest rates doesn't make sense. But if your strategy is, hey, look, I'm going to buy a certain number of properties and these are the properties I plan on holding forever and ever and ever into retirement, then maybe buying down the interest rate does make sense. Okay. And the last alternate alternate use of down payment. Instead of putting more down, the last one I've got on here is deciding to prepay private mortgage insurance. So instead of putting another $5,000 down on buying your next property, which might save you, I don't know, $25 a month, somewhere in that ballpark, maybe $30 a month, depending on the interest rate, you could choose to prepay PMI. You take the $5,000 and get rid of a I don't know, $160, $200, $250 a month private mortgage insurance payment. So instead of getting $30 benefit, although the $30 is for the entire life of the loan, by putting more down, you could say, look, I'm going to pay $5,000 in. And instead of having to make $150, $200, $250, whatever your private mortgage insurance payment would have been, instead of that, whatever it happens to be, $5,000 prepaying it, then you could actually choose to improve your cash flow by Let's call it two hundred dollars as an example for whatever period of time you would have had that PMI. So if you would have had PMI for five years, you could figure out would that have been a better deal for you. In a lot of cases, part of the reason why we might do this is because we would get improved cash flow early on when we typically need it the most. You don't always need improved cash flow early on, and sometimes you're willing to sit through that. You know, uglier cash flow early on until the property's rents have gone up. Your mortgage typically stays the same unless you've got some type of variable or interest rate. But your taxes and your insurance and your maintenance, your property management, they tend to creep up as well, but not quite as fast as that very large chunk of the mortgage payment on a property. Okay. So remember, let's just talk about private mortgage insurance. So private mortgage insurance, there's really three ways that we can pay it. Number one is you can voluntarily take a higher interest rate from the lender and have the lender give you a credit which could cover paying it up front. So you, instead you instead of actually paying it yourself, you say, look, I will voluntarily take a higher interest rate from the lender. Okay, that's one way to pay it. The other way to pay it is monthly. You say, look, the private mortgage insurance premium is $150, $200, $250 a month, whatever it happens to be. It's based on a whole bunch of factors which we'll cover in the PMI class. But basically that PMI payment, it, it exists until... It exists until you get below 80% loan to value or with FHA, it never goes away, okay? So you can do it monthly until you reach that criteria or with FHA, it doesn't go away. You have to get out of that loan. You have to do a refi or sell the property, change out of the the FHA loan in order to get rid of the PMI on FHA, which PMI on FHA is called mortgage insurance premium. It's called MIP, but same thing. It's an insurance premium to protect the lender. Okay. And then the third way is you could do a one time lump sum upfront payment in order to get rid of the PMI. So those are really the three options. Sometimes they'll say, Hey, look, you can pay a little upfront and we could lower your monthly payment for PMI. So you could kind of combine some of them if you really wanted to. But most of the time, you're choosing one of the three as a discrete choice. Okay. All right. So that's all I got for you. So sometimes you thought money you were going to use as a down payment could be used more effectively in another area to improve your situation, to get better terms on your loan, or for you to look more attractive as a borrower, or for you to have a more conservative, safer approach in the case of more reserves. And focusing on down payment, it can be helpful, but be sure to take a more holistic approach and evaluate alternative, alternative uh, alternate uses to see if those serve you better. That's all I got. This has been James Orr. Hope you enjoyed the video. Bye-bye for now. With home prices up, mortgage interest rates up and rents up, but not quite enough to counteract the higher prices and interest rates. Cash flow on rental properties and billings is harder than ever. Book a call with the Real Estate Financial Planner to apply our proprietary 88 strategies to improve cash flow on your rentals. See the show notes for a link to schedule your call and improve your cash flow today. If you're a real estate agent,